We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Welland. I'm joined by Matt Freilich this week, and with mini camp done and with training camp a few weeks away now. The attention turns to how the Packers can make sure they take that next step. And there's a lot of young players on this roster who can really boost this team. And that we can pull five names that can really help us help the Packers hopefully get over that next step and get into the Super Bowl. And if these all five of these young guys make that jump, this is a very, very dangerous team. I agree. And I, I think there's two ways I look at this. One, um, you know, in anything, it's super hard to forecast what can what, like predictions, right? And we're also forecasting talent, um, young talent, that if and when they can make an impact and play to their potential, that it's going to help the their position group, their either side of the ball, offense, defense. Um, and it's just really going to take the Packers to the next step. And I think that's really what it comes down to when you're in the NFL in any position. You're always trying to forecast what your your young talent could do, get the most out of a rookie contract, and we're looking at five guys today that are on a rookie contract that I think if and when they um, exceed or at least reach their uh, expectations, I think it would be phenomenal for the Packers and their success this year in 2021. Without a doubt. And so we have five names. We have two offense, three defense. We're going to discuss for the next 20 or so minutes. Or guys, we're, we're, not exact, we're not for sure expecting them to make a jump, but if they do, it will really help. But before we do that, guess don't forget to find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Find us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast and, and on our YouTube channel at Packaday Podcast. And you've been doing great work there. And let us know how we're doing. Give us a like, subscription, and all that fun stuff. So let's jump right in, and we'll jump in right away. We'll start offense, and we'll go with the rookie. And this is maybe a little bit too much to put on a rookie right away, but Josh Myers is a huge part of this team already. He's been taking all the number one reps at center. This team has high expectations on him right away, and he's going to need to step up. This was the easiest one to write down. That was number one on my list. I don't know what it was in yours, Mike, but you know, you, you take over for a guy like Corey Lindsley, huge shoes to fill. Um, granted, came from Ohio State. Josh Myers played a ton of games. Very, very, you know, solid center. Um, the problem for Josh is that he has taken zero reps with Aaron Rodgers, the potential starter day one for the Packers. And that continuity between Corey Lindsley and Aaron Rodgers was great. He's had other 
centers in the past that you know he he it took a while to get that that comfortability and just really find that you know those reps with and I think without having those mini camp snaps hopefully fingers crossed training camp snaps that would be that would be nice for Josh and Aaron but really I think it's there's going to be a lot of pressure on Josh Myers um, you know getting certain line protection checks at the line he's going to be without David Bakhtiari you would assume for at least a couple of weeks so he's losing a veteran that way luckily he'll have Elton Jenkins an emerging star who I'm a huge fan of but when it comes down to it like center position is one of those positions where it's like, eh, not that great, not a sexy position by any means down in the trenches. But when you have a bad center, people know your name. And it's one of those positions like, just like long slapper, like you don't want people to know your name because if they know your name, that means you're probably doing a dog shit job. So I think Josh Myers, hopefully he can live up to the expectations that I hope he can do. He's a second round pick. You would imagine the Packers trust him quite a bit. Um, but it would be really, really great if he could get, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers' hands under his rear end to figure out how to get those snaps right and get that, uh, and just get get everything figured out before the the start of the season. Well, you're spot on. There's a couple things I I want to kind of add on to that is because I mean we're both baseball guys as well, so I think the best comparison is like a catcher. Oh yeah. They're, how how important that they are. You don't want to know, and a good catcher and like a good center, you notice when they're not there. They, your whole offense or defensive baseball falls apart without them. And another thing also with the whole continuity with Rodgers thing, did Corey Lindsley get any first-team reps his rookie year? Because J.C. Treader was a starter, and then he got hurt right before week one. And didn't Lindsley come in basically cold to start that opening game in Seattle? Right. And that's, I mean, that's well said. And I was missing a couple names when I was trying to rattle it off earlier. But, yeah, J.C. Treader, like <clears throat> another guy with great continuity with the Packers. Or with Aaron Rodgers and Treader was a solid center. Go to Corey Lindsley uh, when he was injured, and Corey took over really, really well. Um, played a ton of games. It's just, I really, I really hope that Josh is ready, no matter who's under center. But like you said, really good comparison, catcher to pitcher, very similar. Um, some guys have really, really great. Um, you know, reps with certain catchers if they're a pitcher, and those get that's like their, their their catcher, if you will, depending on how they throw and their style. And I think, you know, I hope Josh can adapt to whoever is under center. But he, there's a lot of pressure on that young man to uh, take over from Corey Lindsley. For sure, I think the one thing that's going to go in his favor too is that he dealt with a lot of quarterbacks at Ohio State. I know Justin Fields started for a couple years, but there was a it seemed like a new year to year starter every year before then, and he was there for a while. So hopefully that'll bode well for him as well. But Luckily for him, again, taking all the first-team reps with all these guys around him, whether it's Jenkins or Turner or Runyon or whoever it's been at guard, he's been able to work with all those guys. And finding that continuity on the offensive line itself can help lead to finding continuity with whoever the quarterback is going to be going into the fall. But that being said, let's move on. We'll stay in the offense, and let's go into the backfield. And without Jamal Williams there, A.J. Dillon is now a very huge factor and the quad father's going to be a guy who's going to going to be a huge part of Matt LaFleur's uh, system. Definitely. And like you know no one's ever going to replace Jamal Williams' personality. Like he was one of those Packers you don't really see that often. Just his his juvenile, you know, way he approached just everything. Just very pure, very genuine. It never took himself too seriously, and that's the type of guy that like has intangibles in a locker room that you just you gravitate towards. Um, always going to keep it light, and his skill set, I think, 
you know, say what you want about Jamal Williams. Is he a number one running back? Is he a number two running back? The progression we saw from 2019 to 2020 was significant. He, you know, he definitely added another level to his game. Was he Aaron Jones-esque? No, but he, he still was another piece that the Packers could rely on at pass protection, receiving game, the run game. Um, he was dynamic. And the thing with A.J. Dillon is, does he have a skill set that is unique? Yes, he does. Does he have a personality? Absolutely. I like A.J. Dillon. I think he's trying to build his own brand, and I totally respect what he's doing. But the biggest question mark for A.J. Dillon is, can he live up to now an 18-game season? Like, he didn't play a, a, a ton until we got into the colder months of the year, and that was really the time that they unleashed those quads of 28. And then he didn't have to be even – he was an afterthought, really. Like, when you saw 28 in the back, you were like, okay, he's going to get a couple snaps a game. It wasn't anything significant. Um, I don't know how many snaps he played, but I know it wasn't a lot. And now he's going to be really splitting reps with AJ, er, excuse me, Aaron Jones. Um, I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split, but if you're trying to maximize the talents of Aaron Jones, you're going to want him lined up at you know out of the back. You're going to want to split him out in five wide sets. And you're going to want A.J. Dillon to carry the brunt of those tough yardage, grinded-out yards, which Jamal Williams kind of did um, fall forward, take back, but I think – A.J. Dillon's going to be relied on quite a bit, and I, I, I believe he can do it. It's just, you know, you, you always look at that, that wear and tear from when you're in college. You play, what, 11, 12, 13 games if you're lucky with conference, um, conference championship games, maybe a bowl game. And now he's going to be asked to carry the ball a lot more, a lot more physical than last year. And he has shoes to fill. He's going to have to pass protect. He's going to have to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, he's worked on that in this, this minicamp in this offseason, but – He's going to be looked on as, you know, not necessarily the bell cow, but definitely the guy that's going to be relied on for those short yarded situations where he can either spell Aaron Jones or go ahead and get that third and one, third and two to make a drive continue. So I look for A.J. Dillon to do it. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do, and I think it's going to be, uh, you know, you, you also got to understand, like, the transition, right? Like, Aaron Jones is the running back, right? But also there comes a point where, you know, running backs are a dime a dozen, and if and when you know he doesn't live out the full extent of his four-year deal, AJ Dillon is going to be asked to take the majority of the reps. And you know, sometimes there is that transition where they're like, "Hey, we got you for four years, but we want to see what we got on this rookie. Uh, we want to get the the longevity out of his his career too." So they might ask him to do a little bit more as we get through the 2021 season and maybe into 2022. But I, I like AJ Dillon's. Uh, chances. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on, and it was very clearly drafted him that he was insurance for either Jamal or Aaron or both heading into free agency, and luckily they got Aaron Jones back. Obviously, Jamal now in Detroit, and that's going to be weird enough as it is. But also, A.J. Dillon, I think last year was also good and bad for him in a lot of ways. The good was it saved him a little bit, because he did have a lot of tread from, at Boston College. He got a lot of carries. He was expected to carry that entire offense, and he was that entire offense. So he had a year where he could let himself recharge, kind of step back, but then he got COVID, and he missed a large portion of the middle of the season fighting that, and he's told the story of what the battle was for him in that. And then he comes back, and he dominates against Tennessee. So we've seen a little bit of everything with A.J. Dillon. But you're right, the talent is there. He, there's, there's maybe two or three running backs in the NFL like him right now, and Outside of Derrick Henry, there might not be another one with his talent in the NFL, of, of his size and his ability. 
the way Mantlefleur uses him and Aaron Jones likely together on the field at times is going to be interesting. And it's going to be up to him to make the right reads, make the right adjustments on mid-play to be able to justify staying on the field. And I think he, I think he's smart enough. I think he's got enough drive and will to do it. And he's going to be a huge, huge part of this team, bigger than I think than any of us think. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I agree. And thank you for bringing up the, the COVID. I, I forgot about that. And that might just be, you know, I'm going to look at it from a glass half full. Like, maybe he wasn't even playing at 100%. I mean, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, professional athletes alike that, you know, COVID took a toll on their cardiovascular and just the way they were performing. And maybe what we saw from A.J. Dillon wasn't even, you know, even icing on the cake. Like, maybe he is a full-on, just absolute monster, more than we even think, and maybe he'll tap in that potential in 2021. For sure. So now let's flip over to the defensive side for guys who we think can really help the team if they step up, and we'll go to the defensive line, and that's Kingsley Kiki. I mean, the, the team brought back Dean Mallory and Tyler Lancaster. They drafted T.J. Slayton, and, of course, Kenny Clark is, well, Kenny Clark. But Kiki brings that extra juice. He, he's a little bit undersized compared to all the other guys. He's got that quick twitch, and he's got the ability to get to the backfield. But he hasn't seemed to be able to quite put that full three-down game in yet. But if he can step in and really become a top pass rusher to help give Kenny a break, and, and then he can breathe him on running downs so he's not a one-trick pony and teams can't start protection toward him or away from him and run plays away from him because they know he can get to the backfield, He's kind of an X factor on that defensive line. You know, I'm going to leave a little meat on the bone for on this one for you, uh, Mike. You know, I, I'm a, I'm not a huge fan of Kinsley Kiki. I think of all the talent they have in the off, or the, excuse me, the defensive line. He's probably in the top half of guys I like, but that that's not really saying a whole hell of a lot. I mean, there's just certain guys that they've invested draft equity into, and you know, fifth round pick ain't really anything, but. I'm just not a huge Kinsley Kiki guy, and maybe it's because of the way he was, um, what he was asked to do in the Mike Pettin defense. Um, maybe it's just because he isn't overly as talented as I wish he was. I, I'm just not a huge fan of him. He He's solid. He's a good rotational guy, but I've never, there really hasn't been too many flashes where he was 
you know, exceptional. There's a few games, don't get me wrong, in 2020 where I was like, wow, he had a play or two here and there what I was really happy with, but overall just not not anything that I'm super jazzed by. However, to your point, like, what is the premise of this episode? The ep- this premise of the episode is if a guy can take a next step, what does that do for the team? And if Kinsley Kiki can be a guy that's not a rotational guy that can play actually next to Kenny Clark, and they can have a third guy come in possibly, depending on the certain you know formations, that could be Slayton, that could be uh, Dean Lowry, Lancaster, et cetera, like, sure. But I, I don't know if Kinsley Kiki is that number two guy next to Kenny Clark. Uh, so I'm going to defer to you on this. I want, sell me on Kinsley. What, what do you really – like, do you really think he has the chance to do it, or are you just hoping that he could because that would make – a ton of opportunities for the rest of the defense. It's a little bit of both for me. Uh, I, I think I think he uh, kind of screwed over in college because they moved him around to different spots. He played nose a year. He played a 4-3. He played a 3-4. He, he never really had a set position in any of his years. And he, he, he and so he was fluctuating from playing at like 320 plus to playing at 290 and just trying to find a different spot every single season. Now he comes in. He's under the Petten defense where the pe- the defensive line in a pen defense doesn't have to do as much as they probably would like to. He's not a hold your blocker type of guy. He's a guy who's going to get in the backfield. He's he is very athletic, and he's got he's got some pretty good moves in the pass rush game. The issue with him is consistency, and hopefully he's been working with Kenny and working with with uh, uh, Coach Montgomery and just trying to really dial things in because I do think he could be. I'm not going to say Aaron Campman because that's high expectations because Campman eventually broke out and became a star. But he couldn't really make that kind of progression because Aaron Campman was a similar player his first few years. Bring him for a few snaps, he'll make some flash plays, but he was a rotational guy, but then he broke out late. If Kiki can do something similar to that and slowly work his way up, I think that's going to boost this team a lot because they do need that other defensive lineman to really take some pressure off Kenny Clark. You don't want you don't want Kenny playing 80% of the snaps again. No, no. And you know what? And like you're saying, like if there's a number two guy that can take that step, I do feel Kinsley Kiki is that guy. Um, like I said, I've seen glimpses of success from him, uh, blown up interior runs. And like you said, like in the Mike Pettin defense, the best case, the the best example is Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is a fantastic defensive lineman, but if you have him playing nose tackle the entire time, he's just taking double teams and really not doing shit. So if you can somewhat, you know, make these guys into more playmakers, put them in situations where they don't just have to take on two blocks, Kinsey Kiki could be that guy, and I think he's got the best chance to do it of all the defensive linemen outside of Kenny, uh, Kenny Clark. For sure. So let's move another level back. We'll go to the linebacking core. And this is the lowest hanging fruit we've ever probably done as recording together here in the Pack A podcast. And it's Rashawn Gary. You go even put in maybe Spider Garvin as well, because I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. And I really like what he could do with his length and his his bend. But Rashawn Gary's gonna be starting this year. And he ha- I mean he PFF has been spamming their Twitter for months now about what he's done as a pass rusher the last ten games I think it was of last season. Rajon Gary is on the verge of being a little more consistent and becoming a star in this league. He's got everything you want. He's got he's got the work ethic to back it up. He could be the next great Packer linebacker. 
Absolutely. And like you said, definitely the most low-hanging fruit we've ever had on this podcast. Um, unfortunately, you know, Gage isn't here to, to take a bite out of this fruit. But really, I look at Rayshon Gary, and we knew he was a project going in. Like 100% talent was there, had to work on some technique, physical attributes were there, had to get more polished with probably just strength, diet, w- regimen, whatever. Um, and now that he's coming into his third year, I think you're really going to see him just emerge as a star. And he's had an opportunity to uh, rookie year, sophomore season, to you know learn from guys like Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark. He's had a different, um, I guess, concept, if you will, with Mike Pettin for two years. Now he's got Joe Barry coming in, so he's going to have a you know a little slight learning curve, just like everyone else in the defense will. But really, like he's going to he's going to break out this year. I don't think there's any question about it. I love what 52 can bring to this defense. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. He's not going to be asked to do everything because there's other players around him in that position group. But I think what we saw from Preston Smith last year is he basically gave Rayshon Gary an opportunity to be highlighted in this defense last year a little bit. There were plays that you would see Rayshon just flying around the field, whether it was running down a running back out of the backfield when he was, you know, maybe the second level, whether it was blowing up an interior run. Um, I, I hope and I pray that um, if he's asked to be in pass coverage like Preston Smith, he can actually cover someone on a play action rollout because Preston Smith was absolutely horrendous at that. But I really think Rayshon Gary is, if he can make that second jump, excuse me, if he can make that jump in his third year, what the Packers defense could look like. Because now we're limiting the amount of double teams that Darius and Kenny Clark will get. And really, I think Rayshon Gary is potentially going to be a star of this defense, just like Jair Alexander is coming into third year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, much like the Kings of Kiki and at A&M, what they had Rayshon Gary do at Michigan is completely opposite of what he's had to do in the pros. I mean, he doesn't, he's not have to be a three-tech anymore. He, and also, he goes from Jim Harbaugh to Matt LaFleur. That's got to be such a personality shift that it's insane. But where he can really step in his own, be his own guy, find his own role, find his niche. And working with Mike Smith, working with Zadarius and Preston, and we're, and even some of the drills with Kenny, I think that's going to really bode well for him going forward. And, and we've seen the work ethic he's put in. We've seen him during training camps. We've seen him during preseason games giving everything he has. And you see all the videos he posts during the offseason. Of course, those can be cherry-picked, but he's putting in the work. And he and between that, running his own uh, agency, where I think I think one of his clients actually is King Zikiki, is, is something that is huge. So he's got, he's got that attitude. He's got the entrepreneurial spirit. He's got that willingness to do anything. And that's the kind of that's the kind of player that breaks out, and that's the kind of player who you feel a lot better about keeping around on your team for a long period of time. And he's a guy, he's going to be, he's gonna, they get him at 52 for a reason. He's going to be a building block for this defense for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a super, I'm just, I know I'm not the biggest fan of Rayshon Gary, as, you know, some of our other uh, co-hosts are on Pack-A-Day podcast or out, you know, throughout Packers Twitter, but... I I'm 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 drinking some of the Kool Aid at, at this point coming into year three and I'm excited to see what he can do. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Rashawn Gary guy now. And let's go back one more level for our final player, and again another fairly low hanging one, but that's Darnell Savage. 
Is it low hanging? Is it low hanging? Yeah, because he's starting to get a lot of recognition for what he can do now uh, nationwide. And with the reports of Adrian Amos maybe coming up and playing that star spot, when a lot of us thought it might be Darnell Savage, he's got to make sure he's got to patrol that back end now, and he's got to be he's got to bring in that consistency that's been missing the the first couple seasons on that back end because you can't be you cannot be inconsistent playing a deep safety role. You have to be that guy that's there every single time because if you don't, six points are going up on the board. Mm-hmm. And we've seen guys, I mean, the best example is HaHa Clinton-Dix. HaHa Clinton-Dix came out as an absolute stud out of Bama. He had a, he had a solid first couple years with the Packers, and then all of a sudden it kind of just like fell apart. Uh, technique wasn't really there anymore. Um, schematically, it seemed like he was off. Just the concept that he was trying to cover, and it, you know, I am, I'm confident that Darnell Savage can make up for that. Um, you know, he's gonna have to fill a role. Like that's really what it comes down to. Because more than likely, Adrian Amos is gonna be that guy in the start position for Joe Barry's defense. Um, you know, if you've followed anything about the Joe Barry defense, that nickel slash star position is super important. Um, my favorite person to do that would have been, is Adrian Amos. Um, I didn't know if they would shift him down into the box more, but I think skill-wise, talent-wise, he's the perfect guy to do it. Um, and then just like Josh Myers, you know, Darnell Savage has a lot of, you know, he's got, He's got shoes to fill, and maybe not as much Josh Myers. Maybe it's more of like an A.J. Dillon type of thing where there is some consistency already back in that secondary, but you're going to have to be asked to do quite a bit. And, you know, is he going to be calling plays or executing the defensive calls? Probably not. I assume that's Adrian Amos, but he's going to be kind of that leader in that secondary, whether it's with J.R. Alexander, whether it's Shandon Sullivan, um, Eric Stokes, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think Darnell can do it. I'm excited to see what he can do taking over this defense. You know, there is going to be a little bit of a, a learning curve, as we've discussed, with the new defense. Hopefully that that is an easy transition for him. But I'm confident Darnell Savage, he's – I've been impressed with him since day one. I mean, there's there's there was a couple plays I remember in his rookie year where I was like just a, just a blur. And I'm like, who the hell was that? And, oh, shoot, that's 26. A couple plays later, you see him coming down from the secondary position and, you know, stopping a play maybe before a first down marker. I'm like, he's got the speed. He's got the intangibles. It's just a matter if he can put it together when he's he's going to be called upon to be maybe a little bit more of a leader in that um, defensive backfield. But I, I think he's I think he's well on his way to do that. He's had a few years to, to groom himself and been groomed by many other defensive stars um, in that secondary. No, you're spot on. There's a few things I would add, and I think – and he made this point talking about Eric Stokes when he was breaking down that he needs to slow things down at times. He plays too fast. Savage is kind of the same way. Sometimes he goes, he's playing a little bit too much and he runs himself out of plays. But I would rather have that than what we saw the last couple of years with HaHa Clinton Dix where he was making business decisions and not getting involved in plays, where he was getting tackled by pushing guys out of bounds or coming in late as the guys were already going down to the ground. And HaHa Clinton Dix, you know, you talked to talk about baseball Mike he'd be a great outfielder his first step was always backward always backward he's always leaving leaving some room to come forward but he never would would make a break on that uh fly ball or that uh that that guy over the middle yeah that that that, that is a perfect analogy for what what he brought during his time in Green Bay Savage has that attitude he he is what a lot of coaches they need a dog and he is that guy he is willing to mix it up he's going to get involved in place he's going to jump routes but a lot of times when you're playing that deep safety, you, you're not going to take that many chances of trying to jump routes. 
especially in this division, we have so many good receivers in Chicago and Minnesota. I, I don't want you jumping a route on Justin Jefferson because he will Mm-mm. he'll beat you. So he need if he needs to make sure that he times his spots right, and that's something that's gonna he's gonna have to really get going in training camp at the preseason to, to make sure he finds that spot and finds that role. Because otherwise, Amos is gonna have to go back there and they're gonna have to rethink everything Joe Barry's doing with that star position. Yeah, I'm I. We're, I, after hearing about this week, I think Andy talked about it. I think there was a couple other people that had mentioned that there's been they saw him, Adrian Amos, that is uh, taking snaps at that star position in minicamp, um, and rightfully so. That's who I think should be that guy. Um, but like we've discussed, like it's going to put more pressure on Darnell Savage. But I think I think it'll work out because we've seen you know he's he's an absolute missile. He's got good instincts, and as long as he's not you know as long as there's some help in the back end somehow. I don't think he can play deep center field by himself because I think you're kind of eliminating what he does best. Um, but I, I'm, I'm very confident in Darnell. And, again, back to the premise of this entire episode, if and when they take that step, what that does for that secondary group, what that does for the position group or the defensive, um, you know, the defensive uh, locker room, I, I'm very confident to see what that defense would look like if Darnell Savage would take that step. Absolutely. I think all five of these guys are guys who are going to be important and maybe more important than we even realize here in June. We'll see what happens in the fall, but I, I like all five of these guys. I think this they're good building potential building blocks for this team going forward. And I think you can both agree that this roster is in, is in pretty good shape despite all the controversy that's going on right now. So as we wrap things up, Matt, I'll go to you. I'll go to you. Uh, what are you working on? Uh, working on some stuff with Game on Wisconsin squad. We're getting geared up for the, as Jacob likes to call it, uh, post-dead season. Um, that's coming in a few weeks here. we got a couple things brewing. I actually got some stuff going on this weekend we're meeting with the boys with. But uh, it is the first day of summer and when this episode comes out. So I'm super jazzed to enjoy the summer. Baseball's done now. Unfortunately, we didn't move on to the postseason as far as we'd want to. But great first year with the uh, Green Bay Southwest baseball team. So now I'm just kind of focused a lot more on Packers, focused on new Madden possibly coming out. I am a coach for Carroll's, uh, Carroll University's Madden team, so that's exciting. But other than that, man, I'm I'm super jazzed to now minicamp's done. We can kind of go back through some tape if there's any out there and kind of focus on what this 53-man roster will look like. But as always, you can still find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. I've had a lot of people DMing me this week just about my takes on stuff, which my DMs are always open. I'd love to chop it up with any Packers fan or non-Packer fan about the NFL. Um, but you can definitely reach out to me there at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Unfortunately, Gage couldn't make it today, um, but you can still find him on Twitter at G Bridgeford NFL. That's uh, Mike, what do you got going on? Where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on, on uh, Twitter at Mike Wendland. That's uh, M-I-K-E-W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T, all one word. And like Matt, my DMs are always open. I, I love talking, and if I see it, I will answer. Uh, hopefully to get me more involved a little bit more as the, as the year goes on. But right now, this is going to be a busy week for Zaleski Sports, where I work as a broadcaster. I think I have nine games this week, including three on Tuesday with uh, sectional baseball covering the Edgar Wildcats, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, so you can find all my work there as well. And, of course, find us as a group at Packaday Podcasting. And 
whatever your favorite platform is, we are there as well. So give us a subscription and a like and a five-star rating. Let us know how we're doing. And, of course, follow the YouTube channel. Andy's doing really, really good work there, without a doubt. And stay tuned again for more great content tomorrow because we are the Pack of the Podcast every single day. So for Matt Freilich, this is Mike Lemon saying so long, everybody. Enjoy your beginning of summer, everyone. Stay cool, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go. you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.